0: Welcome to Digging in the Dome. I'm probably rolling solo today as Kevin takes care of his young child, leaving me to talk to our, to our super cool guests, and uh, this one definitely qualifies as cool as shit. Um, so this guest has an eclectic set of talents, including being a composer whose music could be heard in 200 TV shows worldwide, but from my research, his power more, his main squeeze is writing. He's the author of novels, short stories, comic book issues, graphic novels, and now I see a screenplay potentially in the works, so we definitely be digging into that. His subject matter is often rooted in mystery, fantasy, and horror. Let him be a mystery no more. Morgan Quaid, welcome to Digging in the Dome.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for for having me. Great great to be here. Glad to have you. So... um,
0: Let's first talk about where you're from. The accent kind of gives it away, but let's be specific. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'm from uh, Australia, and at the moment in Brisbane, Australia, which is the sunnier side of the well. Okay, most of the country sunny, but sort of mid north on the on the uh, uh, eastern yeah. coast. So yeah, nice played- and sunny. I
0: played risk. I know what Australia looks like. Um,
1: (laughs) Did you conquer it is the question.
0: You know what? I, I did win uh, in Australia often, but, and it was good sort of strategically, but man, like that, the Asia part, if you, if you got Asia, man, it's pretty much game over. Like that is so huge. Get so many troops.
1: man. I mean, you could, you could say that about the real world. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you got a point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so you've been, you've lived in Australia all your life, you, the entire time you've been on the same planet.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've I lived here all my life. Uh, started down low uh, in Melbourne and then sort of moved up and down, went went to Cairns, which is far North sort of tropic region. Uh, when I was a teenager, Mm-hmm. And then settled in in Brisbane as kind of a halfway between the, between the, I've even been to Western Australia, which is right over the other side. Uh, but I was too young, so I can't really remember any of that, but I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was wonderful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so like, obviously, and I said in the, in the introduction that it feels like, writing is really like your main thing. Like you really love it. I know obviously you're a musician. I see the litany of guitars behind you and a banjo. Uh, so, and multiple banjos actually, let me take that back. I see more than one banjo. Um, so obviously that music is is near and dear to your heart, but music seems to me, uh, is that what you've, you're most in love with? If there was a creative outlet.
1: Yeah, yeah, write, writing is the thing I love most and will will always do. Uh, and it's the thing that pays worst. So it's, it's the kind <laughs> of, a you know, yeah. Catch 22. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. It's the thing. Uh, is the music actually does make, uh, money. Um, not, not huge amounts, but it does make money with the writing. Uh, it's a long, 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 long game, particularly in comics and graphic novels because of the costs involved. Um, but I love it. Uh, and I'm, it's one of those things that if I, if I was on my own and nothing else was going on, I would have to write anyway. So I might as well do it and try and make a go of, uh, you know, doing it for a living. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, obviously there's, there's elements of, and, and I was, um, uh, you know, I wrote for a few, and this is when I was really younger. Newspapers, and, and I read. For, I wrote for a couple of magazines. It's not nearly what you did, um, but certainly I understand that that bug. And you know, uh, obviously we don't do all the things off the cuff here. Spoiler alert, fans! We actually prepare for our shows sometimes, and our, our, our research. <laughs> You know, it'd be great just to say, man, these guys just know everything about everything. That would be a lie. Wonderful. We know very little about most things, but we are good <laughs> enough to Google. Um, so, you know, from your perspective, like, you know, you, when did you first like really fall in love with it? Like you just started to like, this is when you've realized, man, I absolutely love writing. It's probably,
1: uh, probably in my twenties. Uh, I had a uh, deadbeat Job that I hated, it was in a call centre, it was the night shift, so it was just terrible and I had a lot of time and so I just started picking up writing and and doing that. And I've always loved reading and reading fantasy and sci-fi and weird fiction and all that sort of stuff, so writing was kind of like another... You know, extension of that because you're kind of the first reader of whatever you're creating. So you get to make these amazing worlds and you're the first one to see them and explore them and kind of try and break them and then fix them again. Um, so that was when I really, I actually wrote a, a, a novel called uh, Deep Sleep, which has never gone anywhere. and I was going to say,
0: I looked at your, your whole somewhere. litany of different uh, you know, your, your massive amount of your bibliography, if you will, on on all the things that you're doing. And I didn't see that one. So what happened?
1: It's, (laughs) It's not, it's not there. It's one of those ones that it's the first one you do. I mean, the writing wasn't great. Uh, the idea was very cool. Um, the idea is basically uh, they en- eliminate sleep in the future. So there's no, there's no need for sleep anymore, but that mm. completely changes the world economy because everything is 24 hours. You can ring Beijing at any time and get orders across or whatever. So the economy explodes, everything goes, you know, haywire. Um, but you know, they, they have, uh, um, uh, they build houses without bedrooms because you don't, you don't need, need to need sleep them. anymore. Yeah, right. exactly. So th- so everything changes and the story kind of hinges on this one sort of crusty uh, ex-journalist who is one of like 0.001% of the population that the drugs that you take to stop sleeping, they don't work for him. Uh, and he's an insomniac. So yeah. he's lying there awake, surrounded by all these people that are always awake, but he can't sleep, but he desperately needs sleep. So it's that kind of um I like kind it. Of thing. So it was a cool idea, but. It's just, I I haven't gone back to it for some reason. I think I'm daunted by going back to it and, and, you know, Re-exploring that and trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you've gotten, you've sharpened your tools, like, you know, so you've gotten better over time. You know, um, I think that everybody does when you, with anything in practice, you're like getting more um, skilled and and more able to be able to tell those stories easily. And it becomes kind of like, you know, it's, it's, you know, again, making correlations to um, some things that, that we've done, that um it, like as starting this podcast like starting the podcast you know and I was a broadcaster before my my co-host Kevin was not um but he's uh, he does very well and he can keep and I know him I've known him forever so we can talk forever right it's yeah. not a big deal um but obviously if you list, go back and listen to the beginning of our, our, our podcast episodes until now, it's massively different in terms of quality or yeah. the lack of ums and us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's uh, what happens to you. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you're right. It's exactly the same with writing. It's uh, and, and even simple things like, um, grammar, repeat, repeating the same thing three or four times that you've already said one way. Why are you, why are you doing it? You it know, all, all those simple oh, things. Yeah. yeah. You just you pick a lot of that, out. and a lot of that is for me, anyways. Working with editors as well, and then realizing, ah, oh, okay, I've been doing this for twenty years, and I didn't realize that's where the comma goes. Okay, that's <laughs> that's good to know. You know, simple things like that that you should know, but for some reason they just don't stick, um, and it all kind of improves the the storytelling. And yeah. Sure. Right. Well, that
0: gives you. And again, so uh, you know, what do, what did you start with? So you said you you, you wrote the novel that we are never going to read, Deep Sleep, um, <laughs> which, by the way, I could I could result I r- relate to that because I am an insomniac. I got I, I'm a terrible sleeper, chronic insomnia. So Wrong. like I wake up multiple times a night. I never get any more than like four hours sleep unless I'm like sick, four or five. So it's it's a rotten Damn. existence. So I can really. I could commiserate with your, your lead character, your, your protagonist. I can, I understand. (laughs) Uh, I would be really pissed off if those drugs didn't work for me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So you started with that, but what did you go to? Was it like, did you start continue to write novels? What did you get like bridge into like comic books and graphic novels?
1: Comic, comic books and graphic novels—that was a, a fairly recent thing. Uh, so, as a kid, I was never really that interested in, in comics. Um, the the words versus the images kind of confused me, and it was just—it was too much. I didn't want to read; I just wanted to watch. Um, yeah or I wanted to just read and not have to watch. So it it kind of threw me a bit. Um, It wasn't until a a, a failed career as a novelist that I, you know, went through that whole sort of depressing journey uh, for about 10 years. And then I walked into a comic book shop in, in Brisbane, Um, and discovered these indie comics that I knew nothing about, started picking them up, started reading them. And I thought, Oh my God, what have I been doing all this time? And I could have been doing this. And I was, you know, doing the hard slog with novels and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So then I bought everything I could, you know, threw all my money at it, did as much research within, you know, a week that I could and immediately started, or I have to get the novels that I have and turn them into comic book series or graphic novels. And I just started doing that. And then, proceeded to make um every mistake in the book that you could make uh without uh, talking to anyone in the industry that knows about uh, this stuff i just went head first in and you got thought, excited you were like this I is great very
0: i'm very excited i want to get into it and then all then you realized oh man i probably could have saved myself a lot of pain. I would just talk to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> a
1: lot of pain, a lot of money, a lot of time. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's yeah. But, you know, but like I say, at that time, I was just so excited to get into it. So it, it kind of didn't matter. Uh, you know, it was just, it's all an experience. It all adds up to it. Um, but, yeah, if anyone came to me and said, oh, how, how do I write a comic book or a comic, I, I would give them completely different advice to the, the track that I took. Because yeah, it was... You- it Maybe all silly. the opposite
0: yeah. things of what you
1: did, <laughs> like I don't yeah. do this. No, I did this. Don't, don't do this. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like that thing where you know you got to make you got to learn the rules and know the rules and then become a master and then you can break the rules. I just broke the rules straight right. away. No rules. The rules. So, book out. Yeah. Wrong size format, um, oh. uh, oversized printing, which is great for for some things now. Like a lot of comic mm. creators love the oversized thing as a special. I just did it as standard. I lost money <laughs> on the the printing and the, the oh. enormous postage cost. Cause this thing was massive, you know, all those sorts of things. Oh but, man. So you know. but
0: di- now, cause you said something that actually really resonates with me. Cause I, as a kid was kind of hit or miss with comic books. There were mm. some that really got me like, I remember, uh, Todd McFarlane spawn. I read that uh, all of those when I was little and younger and uh, X-Men, like that one was a kind of like, but like I was busy doing a thousand other things and playing sports and doing all. all, So I didn't really, wasn't interested in it. Now as an adult, I'm reading the, I'm gobbling these things up. Like nobody's business. I think because the quality of them has changed so much. Like if you, I went back and looked at a old, like I was, looking For a bat, I was like on my Apple books, which is I, you know, look for a. I don't get the paper comics, not I love them, don't get me wrong. Yeah, um, but you know, I just kept where am I gonna? I have no value, space, yeah.
1: Yeah, I value th- <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't put them so. I so in order to get through them because I want to continue to read. Um, I, I download a lot of these and uh. I, f- I found a Batman. It said "Golden Era Batman." I'm like, oh "What's that about?" I download it, and it's from like, like the third, the forties, the fifties, or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, the stuff. writing in this is terrible. <laughs> oh God, G. Willikers Batman, holy blah blah yeah. blah, holy you know, cannoli. Yeah, it's like, oh. yeah. And it's like Ugh, God. <laughs> shoot me. I didn't finish it. I was like two
1: pages into it. And I'm like, I can't read this nonsense. Yeah. It's one of those things I think if you missed it at the time, it's very hard to go back now and appreciate it and go, yeah, that's, that's really, and even simple things like, oh yeah, the, the printing is all sort of overlapping a little bit and it's not really precise. And it's, and then the certain rules never get broken. So the, the speech bubbles are always the same way and, and the text is always the same way, the lettering and everything which makes sense if people are used to that. But, yeah, that's what I loved about the first indie comic that I picked up and started reading. I thought this is just doing anything it wants. It's This is any story. It can be horror, comedy, whatever, Mm -hmm. and the style is different. The artwork is different. They're blending different styles of artwork that was the appealing thing because I'd never been into superheroes. It's been so overdone. It's not, it just isn't appealing to me as a writer, but the fact that I could take anything I'd done and translate it into this format, I thought, well, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: Here's my money. Take it. Yes, take it all. Take my money. I'll take it all. And and, and <laughs> honestly, the, the thing that's interesting too, like, you know, I saw a lot of threads in in that kind of connect your work back to, like I said, fantasy, like the, these mm. ideas, of these fantastic landscapes, these big worlds that you can really explore in a lot of different ways and, and take somebody through those stories. And, and uh I started to think about uh, influence because I, I, so just mm. a perspective from what would be both of us, if he was actually here um, we were in a band together for 17 years. We were, I've been known him since he was five, six years old. So we've been known each other forever. Right. <laughs> and uh, we started off and we so to make you feel a little bit better. We were in a band called the Cedar And we, you know, like, I remember in going to Sonic studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and putting five thousand dollars on my credit card to pay for that album.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah.
0: It was a like Sonic Studios is an iconic place because they had, like lots of. We met very famous people when we were recording our album there. Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette, um, Kevin, my co-host, actually called um, Robert Palmer, Peter Gabriel, or something like that. And Robert Palmer <laughs> called him a wanker, which was great. Uh, <laughs> we met the Roots. Um, like we met like all kinds of cool people when we did it, but like the engineer could give a rat's ass about the see like some, a bunch of 20 year olds. Yep. They used to, they were like, let me steal your money and not give you yep. any, yep. anything like anything of quality back. So our first album, it's good for the fact that we did it. And we had, we have like, uh, two since then. And one that's unfinished, but, um, you know, it's, it's that those early th- lessons that you kind of learn, you were like, you know what? I didn't have to spend $5,000. What I needed to do is find an engineer that actually gave a shit about our music and could produce it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. along that lines, because you're the writer, I'm assuming that you're not drawing or inking, right? So how do yes, you, you pick, incorrect. how do you pick the the people? Cause I see that there's certain people that you kind of go back to, but how did you connect to those people to, to actually get your vision, you know, to match the words or to the, the picture to match what you're just saying.
1: Yeah. So th- this is an interesting one because, um, <clears throat> I mean, the, um, this is where it really pays to be a great writer. And I, I consider myself a pretty good writer. I'm not an amazing, amazing, you know, I'm not going to change the world or whatever, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a decent writer. I love right. what I do. It's great but I'm also a decent business person. And that's the thing that most creative people are missing. And as soon as you start hiring multiple artists... Uh, you know, uh, pencils, inks, colors, all the rest of it, um, and trying to build a team. You're running a business, and that's a very different thing to this. is a pet project, and I love it. And I, and then you have to start thinking about how am I actually going to make money off this thing? And I'm I'm paying huge amounts for the artwork, understandably, because it's incredibly detailed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was it. again, it was trial and error. The the fortunate thing for me is I'd already been running a music business for. That, 10 years or seven years to that point, mm-hmm. um, working with session musicians, um, building out primarily loop packs and working with other producers on their stuff and, and a few indie indie creatives along the way as well, but primarily behind the scenes with that sort of stuff and then doing the, the uh, production music for film and TV, uh, which is nowhere near as glamorous as, as what it <laughs> sounds like. Um, but because of that, it, it, uh, I'd been used to dealing with, you know, I must've dealt with a hundred different session musicians and bought things and, you know, set up contracts and signed contracts and even had duddy contracts that I couldn't get out of. And so I had all that experience. So coming to writing was just, all right, this is the same thing. And I effectively need to audition artists to see yeah. what the quality is like, which means I'll pay X amount for two pages for 50 artists, um, over a period of time. And I might only choose 10 of them, but, you know, and some of those will be unreliable. Some will be great. Some will be too expensive. So it's all about that, finding that happy medium. Then the other thing is how the heck do I get across to them what I have in my mind uh, from a novel and, a, and an existing story that I'm very familiar with the characters and all that sort of stuff. How do I get that across? And how do I get that across when I have an artist in Venezuela, uh, an artist in uh, Poland, uh, two artists in Indonesia? <coughs> They're all, all over the place. Um, so... And
0: you're not flying all over there to go and see them. No,
1: <laughs> no, it's all, it's all online. It's all, right. it's all connecting online and, and finding yeah. them and, and doing it that way. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Willie Roberts is one of, one of my favorite artists and he, I've worked with him for years now and I, I count him as a, a good mate. Um, uh, never, never met him you know I mean we, we've seen face to face on zoom and stuff but but never right. never met him but you know you just feel like you know the guy because we worked together for, for so long or have been yeah um, yeah but it, it is all it, it's a it's a strange thing and it, it basically is for each artist you need to speak a slightly different language um so if I'm if I'm dealing with the uh, Indonesian artists um they tend to there's a little bit of a language barrier and they tend to do the more manga style stuff yes so I'm very very simple with instructions I, I don't get it they I don't give them any detail about uh, the background to characters or anything like that. It's just a guy that looks like this is doing a thing like that. Here's a storyboard with a stick figure to show you, mm-hmm. and then they will come back in their style and, and then make it make it look amazing. Yeah,
0: interesting. And so, that, so their context is more uh, mechanical because mm-hmm. they're just saying, just tell give me the just the facts, ma'am. Now, then there's other people, obviously, that you work with that need. And do you feel like the quality, and this is not to disparage the Indonesian folks, I'm just asking, mm-hmm. do you feel like the quality is the same when you're talking to to the person that needs to really understand, like, the richness of the atmosphere of your story and, like, the, the you know, more of a 360 view versus the people that are just give me the stereo instructions and let me build this thing for you?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think it is the way that I do it anyway is I pick an artist based on their style, the way they do characters, the way they do movement and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then essentially that's what I'm buying every time. And it's very rare that I'll go back and say, change this, change that, unless it's really wrong. Mm -hmm. With me, it's much more of a 50-50 partnership. So I'll have the idea, I'll write it, I'll send it to them, but then what they come back with... It's invariably different to what I thought, um, and there's a very good reason for that, which I'll tell you about in a tick. Um, so it'll come back different to what I thought, but then I will kind of re- rearrange the way I'm thinking about the character based on what I'm seeing, and then as the story progresses, it becomes oh, okay, kind of a, a baby between the, the both of us, you know, a combination of both. Uh, so well, that, that does make yeah. sense, though it could because what you're, cause like you're giving the story
0: to somebody. And even if you give them the 360 view, or if you give them the technical view, what they're seeing is what they're seeing. So they're saying, well, yeah. you said this, this is what I picture that to be. So yeah. your words in that, in that respect, influence them. Now, interestingly, like the thing that you potentially lose a little bit there, which is awesome that they're able to still be able to do this without the context of intonation uh, tone. Yeah. Like, you know, like you don't hear you unless you're, you're like reading the pages to them and and doing it in the, in the way, like trying to like give the emotion around it. I think that would be, um, it it speaks to the talent of the artists that you're hiring, that they're able to capture it and, and really hit the mark as close as they do.
1: Yeah. And and you'd be surprised how, this is where I think the words come in because I'm very flexible with the lettering and and I will write a draft script and all that sort of stuff. It changes a hundred percent of the time when I, when I actually see the page and I start lettering, and that mm-hmm. gives me the flexibility because an expression of I might say uh, they look angry, mm-hmm. and there are fifty different ways they could be angry. Um, right. The you know the some of the artists will just be very simple, and it'll be an angry expression. Uh, some of them like Willie, he will get he will he will think to himself they're angry, but I think they're angry enough to kick a trash can over or something. So I'll get, I'll have them doing that. He adds a bit more to it. Right. Either way though, with the text, that's where I, I can contextualize what's going on. And that's where I'll change what I was going to say, because it doesn't make sense with that facial expression for him to say, by G willikers, you know, it makes sense for him to say something harder or, you know, uh, yes. longer or whatever it might be. So that's the the flexibility. The other thing though, that I only discovered a couple of years ago, it's become a new thing and every new disease I like to get on board pretty early or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a thing called aphantasia. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing that. Cause it is actually called aphantasia. Yeah, is, a, is that a meetup word? A Do you thing.
0: Yes. <laughs> called aphantasia. Tell aphantasia. Me
1: more. <laughs> um, and it's basically, it's a, uh, it's it's people that have no visual imagination. So I I went through all my life without realizing that people weren't like me, and it's only about I think two percent of the population that have this. So if I close my eyes and you say uh, think of an apple or something, I can't visualize anything. It's just black. It's always just black. Really? I have no way of representing anything, uh, the, and it's so profound that you know the whole uh, you can't get to sleep. Coming yeah. back to the insomnia thing, you know, count yeah. sheep. Yeah, you know, count sheep jumping over a fence or whatever. You wouldn't be able to see them. No, that never made sense to me. I thought, oh, it's, it's kind of maybe allegorical or metaphorical or whatever. Then, then it's not, people don't really, you know, you can't really see stuff. And that's the way I thought imagination was until recently I found out about this thing and I realised, no. Every, then I started talking to my wife and my son and realising how profoundly different I am. But even things that deeper that I never realised, I, I so my mother passed um, a few years ago now, I can't remember her face at all. Right. Unless you, well, I mean, if you see a
0: picture, I'm guessing that then you're, you're good, but you can't taking that. I can't picture can't recall and Putting it. it down. You can't
1: recall it. You won't be, you'll be like. That's exactly right. So I, so I can't close my eyes and remember my mother's face, but I even worse, I can't remember my wife's face visually and we're married. Wow. Like she lives in this house, but I can't, I, my, my son. So I can't pick, which is part of the reason I think why I give so much to the artists because I, I have a clear picture of what people are doing, how they're acting, what's happening, all lots of stuff. But in terms of a visual of what does this person look like? Right. It's very hard for me to make that up on my own. I have to kind of rely on the artist a bit more than that stuff. That's amazing. And that's
0: like, wow. Like to be able to, it's, its it probably is what makes you to a degree, a really good writer because you're, you're able to frame it without having to see it. You could just kind of say, this is what's happening. This is the, and then again, build in, uh, the emotional components to it, and again the the it's it to not be able to see it in your head has is is incredible to be able to write it it mm. with such great detail and ability um
1: that 's impressive I, I, I and i think yeah i think that has <sighs> I think that's why I like descriptive phrases so much. I, I like the musical intonation and the rhythm of when it, you know a sentence behaves a certain way. But I also like you know you listen to great uh, great writers, and I'll always say, show me, don't tell me. You know, and I'll always say, you know, don't don't use too many adverbs and adjectives and lots of stuff. I love them, and I love being overly descriptive in certain senses. Um, partly I think because that that's my only way to apprehend what's going on and to understand right. what's going on is by using these fancy words. Right. It makes uh, sense. It does make sense. And like,
0: you know, uh, again, I think that that makes you unique in that, like how many, how many writers could say that they don't, they can't see the story in their head. That's incredible. That's gotta be very difficult. I can't imagine writing without thinking like that. You know what I mean? Being able to see it and beyond the other, um, you know, the familial thing, which is really tough. And got to be challenging. Mm. I mean, uh, hopefully you uh, you keep a picture in the wallet or something. You can just keep yeah, going back to yeah. it. That's my wife. All right, got it. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, th- th- thankfully, I don't have the the. Uh, I can recognize faces, so, and I can remember yes. you know that sort of stuff. But I've had endless discussions with my wife about this. She's, she still she believes me now, but it's still baffled by the whole
0: hard for her to get her head around. Well, it's cause
1: it's hard for me to get everybody to be able to say, yeah, can't,
0: I can't think of an apple and know what it looks like. Like I think yeah. in my head, I know what it looks like. You can't do that. That's nuts. Um, so you mentioned music. I wanted to go to, to go mm-hmm. to that cause, um, I'm a fellow musician and a composer. So, um, the thing that came to mind when I was like, you know, uh, you get, ins- you get inspiration for, from artists that you respect, like same thing with comedy, right? We, this is a mm-hmm. comedy podcast style is an amalgamation of the people that influenced you. So, um, you know, who would you say inspired you from a writing perspective and from a music
1: perspective? Uh, writing's very easy. So that is, uh, writers like um, traditionally, you know, traditional fantasy writers like Robert Jordan and those, those sort of, those sort of guys, China, Mieville, uh, incredibly, detailed weird amazing it's like reading concrete but it's it's also just amazing his stuff mm-hmm. uh jack vance his stuff um is amazing so so the and, and even like joe Abercrombie and those sort of uh I, I don't know i think maybe they're grim dark or that sort of you know dark fantasy sort of thing mm-hmm. um a lot of my influences are, are, are there and even the earlier um uh the Shannara books the terry uh, not terry brooks Terry Brooks. It is Terry Brooks. Is it Terry, Terry Brooks? Brooks? I don't know. Anyway, that whole Shannara series. That Terry, means, Brooks. Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks, <laughs> the, the writer. <laughs> Sorry. To, see, because I'm saying Terry, but my head is trying to get me to say Jerry. And I know it's not is Jerry. It's Jerry Brooks? It's, it's not Jerry. I'm pretty sure it's
0: Terry. It is Terry Brooks, the American writer, Terry Brooks. Yes. You're correct, Shannara. I remember the over. thing.
1: Yes. Well, so thank we'll you, Terry the, Brooks. No more quotes. It is Terry. No it more quotes. It is just Terry it's Brooks. Definitely, <laughs> it's definitely <a> Terry. <laughs> Um, so it's pretty easy on, on the writing because they're they're pretty clear, and you can see some of those influences in the stuff that are. I've written, and even some of the ideas that I've borrowed uh, from writers that I admire. As well, we every, all do. Listen,
0: every single person. This is the same thing with music, and as a musician, I'm sure you could respect this. We're mm. not doing anything new. Like, there's not like no, I mean, no. I, like m- mumble rap. I guess you could say is new, but I hate it, so I don't count it. That oh, doesn't matter. It, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. make a difference. Just, I can mumble. You want me to mumble for you? <laughs> Um, yeah it's just it doesn't it doesn't really resonate with me and again other people have different different, different strokes different folks whatever but most of all music has been done right it's yeah. all just a play off of different combinations of different pieces and now we're into like the mashup component of the of the uh the musical journey and writers same thing the stories have all been told i mean like not that your stories aren't impressive and and like are amazing and and talk about different but the the tropes the things that are the themes are the same they're all the same you you have to i falls in love with girl yeah dude finds a dead body in his house yeah, try to yeah. figure out who killed the person because they're going to get blamed for it like you know what i mean yeah someone you know those kinds of things. someone wins the lottery mysteriously and they were super broke and now they're b- rich like the beverly hillbillies like oh yeah okay that story's been told Hang on. what
1: was what was that last one you said uh <laughs> well, they broke they discover oil in there but yeah yes yeah, exactly yeah right. no you're exactly right it's um and, and, it, and it's also like the doing something so profoundly different because you could do that as a writer, you could do something really disjointed and like nothing else. No one would understand it. It would be right. roundly criticized. You know, right. It's always that way with the first thing because you're speaking a different language to the people right. that you want to buy this thing. Um, on the music side though, the music side is harder because I came from a, a very strict religious, uh, sort of evangelical household. Oh, wow. So I have a, a massive gap in my uh, musical history because I was not allowed to listen oh. to that hateful, horrible, uh, demon loving, secular music. Um hey, for how you long? Know, like Perry Como and such. Um, for Well, for most of my life until I was in my early 20s. Uh, until I was able to but but so like, by then I'd missed a whole bunch of stuff and I wasn't right. going to go back and and try and rediscover that stuff I was onto new stuff right um so the one of the the themes that, that goes right through particularly teenage years where I really started to get into guitar was people like Joe Satriani oh yeah because there were no words so yes. because there were no words my parents couldn't say this is evil you can't yeah, listen what, to Yeah what the
0: tone is is is
1: is demonic come on yeah, I mean, if they really were interested and they listened, <laughs> they might, they might have said <laughs> yeah, that. But yeah. thankfully, I got away with that. So it was really that. Later on, though, it was I was right into you know like jamiroquai and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Then I started to get into system and down, and you know uh-huh. a bit hard, harder Other and heavier and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I actually started with guitar with uh, Latin stuff. Um, oh yeah. So not quite flamenco, but that sort of style. Um, and then moved into electric guitar from there. But, yeah, so it's it's kind of eclectic but also incredibly narrow. And there, um, again, my wife will joke endlessly about I'll oh, hear something. So most of my musical education is from TV, which mm-hmm. is ads and, and, and films.
0: Zest so fully I've only clean. ever heard the choruses. Zest fully
1: clean. You're not fully clean. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I need some soap. So I, I know all of these. <laughs> I know all of these songs, but I only know this little bit, the most famous bit that's been used. So I'll hear a song will start on the radio earlier than that. And I won't have a clue what this thing is or who did it or when they lived or any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> but it gets to the chorus and I think I remember this yes. from that movie that one time. And yes. that's it. It's so a Chevy it's commercial.
0: Like, ooh, rock. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Uh, the, um, it's it's uh, again really interesting background from a musical perspective because you were you were basically you know put away in in solitary confinement away from all things musical for a period of time where you couldn't listen and then like you said that your influences were what you were exposed to um yeah. and then that expanded it's um it's interesting too because i think that um the, when i i thought about some of the well actually it was something on your website that kind of made me think that you just go back to the writing for a second that you had mm-hmm. a little bit of Stephen King influence in you because you referred to your, your, the people as, um, dear traveler. And that reminded me of Stephen King referring to his people as constant reader. Right. So uh-huh. constant reader being like, I, I think that that King understands that he has a lane, right. And he's got yep. a group yep. of people that really like his stuff. And then a whole bunch of people that think that he's terrible. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think there's probably very few of those people. I actually like Stephen King. Um, but, uh, and he talk about somebody who really phew, gives you an entire universe and you ever read the stand, it's like a, a 1200 yeah. page, book or something like that.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: but like, that's what, and then I thought about you, he's calling people the, the, the tra- you know, dear traveler, why traveler are you, is it because you're taking them on these crazy journeys to these like really wild places and, you know, into, into odd stories that are,
1: you know, completely fantastic um i think it's i think it's more um so A the good thing about being a writer is people will always read more intelligent uh, answers into things than what you actually put in there which is great <laughs> so they'll always assume yeah, i'm, I'm dissecting it thought. like it's the zapruder film i'm like well what did you i mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was i think it's more it speaks to my love of archaic phraseology and and using okay. a, a term like dear tra- you know traveler or yeah um and also th- there is that that thought that you as a writer you've kind of got to grab people and you've got to so they're going past and you want them hooked and which is why most of my books the first two pages something very 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 dramatic so I'm not a Stephen King writer Mm -hmm. so I there's no sort of slow yeah build to it right yeah no build it is just because yeah, I don't have the patience for that. I, I, so it is. <laughs> I'm right in there uh, straight away, and then they'll be building, and then right in. But but I want them hooked from the beginning. And I suppose it's like you know fishing in a stream. I, I want to you know if you're traveling past, hey, come on in. Yeah. Um. It's uh. Yeah. So my, uh, it's probably more that. But definitely the Stephen King. The 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 funny thing is, never got through any of his horror books. Not um, one. Read the entire Dark Tower trilogy. Loved it. It's fantastic. And that, so that that is my Stephen King experience. So I don't, ironically I don't actually like his horror stuff. You like um, his fantasy stuff. I love his fantasy stuff. And That's I don't okay. like, like his fantasy stuff cuz it takes too long and it's not my style and yeah. Yeah, I think that the that one that if you haven't given it a
0: shot, that would be falling into that same realm is Talisman and um I think it's called mm. Black House which are more fantasy based than than horror based. Not really a horror horror book. Um Right. You know, like it's not like Cujo, a you know, rabid, crazy dog or, you know, yeah. You know, there, he definitely has The Shining, which is a great book. But it's it's again, it's it's a hard book. Yeah. So more you like more of that idea of this fantastic, you know, wild universe, crazy, you know, different thing. And I like I love it. I also like that. Uh, look, uh, as the great Elvis said once a little less conversation, a little more action. Why not start off with a bang? Why yeah. waste time? I love it. Because then you're like, yeah. okay, now I want to keep. I want to figure out, what, and then you can start to like. It's almost like you hit them in the face, boom, and then you just yeah. slowly kind of jab them a bit, like you know, like I'm going to slow it down a little bit here and build off of this this first, you know, moment of holy shit, what happened? Yeah, what's yeah. happened?
1: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> well, the first uh, uh, one of my so. To start off with, I never thought I wrote horror at all until a friend recently said, "You know that you write horror, right? This is this is technically horror, anyway." So that, that like, kind of like, threw <laughs> me a bit. I just wrote <laughs> fantasy, bro. It's just fantasy. What are you talking about? Um, the one of my latest books, the The Seven Hungers. Um, mm. uh, it starts. It's a, it's about a, a, a censured sorcerer, sorcerer um, who's basically bought out of retirement to. to help with this emergence which is something has come through from one of these seven realms like hell dimensions if you like and he's you know got to fix it but the book starts with him with his both hands and legs kind of sucked into a kitchen wall with a creature that is inhabiting the house breaking his bones and ripping the flesh off his skin and that's that's the first start so straight away He's, he's about to die. You're coming into it. And then you you're like, ah, Oh my you know, God. Yeah. It starts with a broken, broken arm. And I think you got to start with the, another one, a uh, whiplash, another novel I did starts with a, a, 18 year old young man getting abducted. And it's literally wake up, go downstairs. Someone's knocking at the door. open up the door. Someone tasers me. Now I'm in the boot of a car. What the hell's going on? Right. And then you start to discover what the hell is going on. But yeah, it's, it's, and it's partly because I don't have the patience to, Yeah, to take my time anymore. I think the older I get, it's like I just show me a thing, show me something happening. Yeah, well, it doesn't hurt for writing.
0: No, I mean it's it's interesting. So, um, some of the and one of the 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 books, um, uh, Enmity, that you wrote, um, Uh, that that one was really intriguing to me because, uh, like, and it was this is a stupid trigger event for me, but I'll 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 own up to it. So I hadn't read I've been getting more into some of the more I guess critically acclaimed, you know, graphic novels um over right. the course of the last several years and one that I had missed, not on purpose but I just missed was um Sandman.
1: Right. And, yeah, yeah.
0: And and uh so I and the the trigger was Netflix is creating a show that's launching in August based on that series. And I was yeah, like, yeah. well, I'd like to get an understanding of the source material because, you know, I'd like to see how not to be critical of it. I'm not going to be like, oh, you guys didn't do a good job, but like be able to get some backstory around Morpheus and that whole situation. So I did. I read all those same, all the same book, all of them. And then um, my dumb co-host who isn't here told me that one of his guilty pleasures is watching the show Lucifer. Right. Yeah. And I'm just, you ever, um, you know what that show is about? It's about,
1: I I do. I do. Yes.
0: Lucifer leave. So your story is about Daisy who is Lucifer's daughter. Right. And it it references the fact that Lucifer left hell, which is something that is written in the, that's part of that Sandman series of him basically handing the keys of hell over to Morpheus and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out of here. And then, Morpheus then passes it off to, to doom and Ramiel, the angels. And then eventually Mazikeen gets it. Like there's, there's all kinds of it's been passed around like a bad joint or something to, to a bunch <laughs> of different people that don't want hell. They are just not interested in this. Um, and, uh, and even there was some other dude, I can't remember his name. Anyway. Uh, point being is that I thought that maybe that, there, that might've had something to do with your, um,
1: the story. Was that intentional? Did, did you not read it? I have read some of Sandman. I have not gotten up to that bit. So neither, and I have watched Lucifer. Spoiler alert. You have watched it. uh, I've watched Lucifer, but only the first season, I think. Uh Uh, So neither of those, ironically, (laughs) were the uh, impetus for this. I love it. The thing is, I actually studied in my young days, uh, studied theology, um, learned biblical Hebrew, learned Greek, um, did all that sort of thing. And one of the things that struck me as I was learning that was – uh, traditionally the idea of the devil or Satan or Lucifer or all that sort of stuff, it is not the 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 one who owns hell, that sort of Lucifer. Right. It's this idea as an of an <laughs> adversary. So mm-hmm. his job is basically to oppose everything that that God puts in there, almost to keep things in check and all that sort of stuff. So I actually like that idea better. So in enmity, um lucifer is the one that whispers in people's you know you Years. know bad dudes like hitler and all that sort of stuff and yeah. he's he's a check and balance because because god in this universe is all about balance and keeping things in check right. but he's just bored everything's the same humans just act the same way so he just says that's it i'm out i'm done mm-hmm. and because of that that actually brings on the apocalypse but but before the apocalypse happens he goes on a bender he drinks he does drugs he does everything and yeah. as a result of this 16 years later this girl daisy pops up not knowing that she's you know so so it's essentially a story about daisy searching through the wasteland for her deadbeat dad because her uh-huh. mother is passed on yes not knowing that her dad is lucifer and not knowing why there are these kind of demon creatures tracking her and hunting her, and she has no idea why, other than, well, I'm human. They probably just want to kill me. Right. So that's that's kind of the the story. But yeah, the Lucifer is so fun to write, it, uh, and he does probably have some similarities to the the character in the in the TV series. Yeah. Um. You know, smart mouthed and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, but uh, but it came from a completely different spot. So it's, funny. Yeah. I, I'm
0: over too. Uh you
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like well to dear traveler obviously
0: that's a play on the the same thing nope. I, Lucifer, should, have said, read these I books. should have just said no. yes. No, no, honesty Thanks. is the best policy. I want to be wrong. Um because it's more interesting. It's, if I'm just guessing all these things are right then it's it's probably but and again to your point um some of these things uh you, you get from I get, these threads have these tales have threads. Like the interesting thing to <laughs> me about Um, the, the Lucifer series from a comic book or graphic novel standpoint is like, it's, he doesn't in those books, he's really not, he's like, I don't make anybody do anything. He's like, yeah, I, I got, basically, I tried to rebel against my dad. I got kicked, you know, I kicked into hell to be basically to be the, the arbiter of justice against and punishing people that have done the wrong thing. Right. So like, yeah. it's just yeah. interesting, like to see again, the, the, the differences between the the stories of, uh, uh, of, of the devil, you know, not some red it's dude dry. with horns. And it's funny too, that like the, in the, the show and not so much the book, because the book doesn't really say that he's hanging out with the, the detective person in solving crimes. When you're trying to do an episodic, you know, like a, a like a, a, a truly like a, a series on TV, you have yeah. to have that. How are we going to keep having him do basically the same thing every single time and then yeah. still have the, the, the actual underlying story and, and stuff in there? Um, he was just a club owner. He just he just owned a nightclub. That was that was it. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see those things kind of uh, still still permeate. Um, I did want to ask you. I saw we talked earlier at the very beginning of the episode when I was introducing you about a screenplay. Let's sacrifice oh, Lord yeah. Jean, which I assume based on the title, rom com. So, what's that? What's that? Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, what's it's uh all about? <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 filmed in front of a live audience. Uh, okay, multicam. No, no, I'm joking. Oh no, um,
0: I was <laughs> going with rom com, like
1: Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, tin can <laughs> laughter. Uh So yeah, it's it's a it's a um, horror uh a grindhouse kind of horror horror deal right. which is not my my normal thing so a friend of mine uh uh, uh Justin Smith is a, is an indie uh director mm-hmm. and he said uh, uh you know, I've worked with him on, on on a comic that, that's going to be coming out a little bit later and he said oh do you write uh screenplays and me being me yeah, said, like, yeah, of, course, yeah, I did. Sure, you of know, course. I've written one. I've written one at this stage. And I said, yeah, yeah, of course I'm an expert. And I know all the things <laughs> about, uh, these screenplays as you call them. Um, <clears throat> so I said, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to give it a crack. So he gave me the basic idea, uh, which was primarily the title and this idea about basically two hitchhikers that get caught up in a sort of cult, a Manson, esque cult sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I, and I went back to him, I remember and said. Cool. Happy to do it. Love to do it. Is it okay if it gets really weird really quickly and you know it'll have like weird, fantastical things in it? Because so he knows enough yes. to, about the way I write that, that it's going to go that way. And he said, Yeah, go for it. Go for it. That's fine. So I started writing. The ideas started coming. And then, you know, as you start writing, more and more ideas come up and you think, Oh, this is going to be great. And everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a screenplays are fantastic because you you get rid of the thing I hate most about writing, which is the fluff. Now, I'm all for uh, I love a good turn of phrase. I love being creative with the way things are described. I love that sort of stuff. I hate narrating how someone gets from part A to part B. I just don't care. I don't want to narrate them sitting in a car and then going through and then the car door opens and then they get out. I don't want to tell you everything that they're wearing, how they did their hair that day. I just don't care. I just get them to the thing and make the thing happen to them and then get into the emotion of it and all that sort of (laughs) stuff. So with a screenplay, it's kind of like a stripped down version where you're not doing any of that couching in, in, you know, background. You just, this person does this to this. They say this, this person reacts this way, this, you know, this person says this, blah, blah, blah. So it's this amazing stripped down experience. It's still, I mean, it takes a long time and it's a lot of effort, but it's very different to the novel aspect. Um, and I, I love the process. The story is one of those ones that you think it's going one way, and then it will get to a point, and then you'll realize, oh my god, it's completely different to what I thought. It's completely different, and uh, I'm probably not giving too much away to say there's not, it's it's not a happy ending kind of yeah. Fun. I like- uh, that's you
0: know? great. Well, I mean, the title is let's sacrifice Laura Jean. So I'm guessing it's not, you know, it's not like let's buy Laura Jean, a puppy. It's <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, gore well. and yeah, it's, it's, it's got a, grind, it got a lot of grindhouse elements, but it's also, there's a mythology behind it. and there's uh, you know, there's other levels of stuff, but it, it it's, <laughs> and you know, hopefully there'll be some fun in there and all the rest of it as well. Um, yeah, a great experience though, and I can't wait. So I'm not sure exactly when it's going to start filming or anything, but it, um, knowing Justin, it'll probably be fairly soon. I'd say it'll get get started. And I'm going. I'm actually now turning it into a novel, which will oh. probably be released before the um, uh, before the film comes out, so people can read about it and then see how different the film is and how much I've messed up in the novel.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, then you have to add all that other stuff that all that annoying uh, additional detail. You get the person into the car and out of the, you know, into the I car. I do. Yeah. That's what I'm struggling
1: on. with at the moment. Yeah. I'm oh, going really? through no, I'm thinking, this, this was so much easier as a screenplay. Now it's like I've got to think about, you know, motivations and things and like why are they, uh, what color jeans is he wearing today? <laughs> well, but, but, <laughs> but awesome. to your point from before, like it kind of makes sense. The
0: thing that you have done most, as I could see it, is writing comic books or graphic novels so all Mm -hmm. of those things you have pictures to go along with it i don't need to guess what she's wearing or he's wearing yeah i don't need to think about him getting into the car because i see him in in the car he's there that's right right? you know that's right so so that's probably like again when you think about like the things that really kind of resonate with you not that you can't do do novels as well but that probably is a little bit more like more comfortable you know because you don't have to think about all that stuff that you don't like to do you don't like to eat your vegetables so don't eat them (laughs)
1: <laughs> that exactly right and you know you get to a certain age where you just think ah eh, not gonna i'm not gonna bother with that um and the, yeah. the, the thing is you anyone that reads my novels will see that the most common complaint i get from novels are oh it was great it's just too short i just i need more which is good because i can then sell the next book right um but they're, they're very fast. They're like, not overly fast. They're the normal size of a novel. I'm not, you know, they're not like 20 pages or something, but a lot happens. It's it's quick. There's a lot of twists, that sort of stuff. It's, it's I probably write more like I'm writing for a movie or, or a TV series than a novel. I'm, I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I understand how to write a traditional novel because I don't think that's what these are. Um, but they're the sort of thing that I would like to read. And, and, and as the first reader, I I read them and I think, yeah, that, that everything's there. It's a great story. It's twists and turns and all this sort of stuff. It hints, at these bigger, broader fantasy sort of things, but without having to go through an in in-depth detail on all of the, how, how many eyes did the monster have and what color were the eyes? And that, you know, it's, it's just there's a monster and it's a big and it's whipping around with things and it's, you know, yeah, it's about they're not all monsters, you. but you know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's going <laughs> to eat you. So what's going to happen?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I like it. And, and it's interesting too, because I think that like as a consumer of this kind of content and all the stuff that we're talking about, I think I'd like both right
1: yeah yeah so
0: i can get down to your point like so stephen king extremely detailed i read the dark tower series i've read all of them like seven eight times all of them i've read them multiple times i fucking love it the problem with it is that no one can ever adapt it into anything into a tv series like no one they try but they fail and i would ruin it yeah but i almost think it's like maybe they don't, maybe they don't have enough of a a love affair with the source material or really understand it enough to be able to do it. Cause I think it's, it's a really interesting story. Like Roland, you know, showing up on the beach and getting his fingers getting a spoiler alert to those who haven't been read this book in like 30 years, get on the ball, (laughs) gets his fingers chopped off by like this lobster monstrosity thing. And then, you know, like all the, the, the gathering of, of, of his, his travel companions, like all this different thing. Like, you know, those, those are the things that, that I think that are, would be interesting and people would like to see something like that. I just, I don't know what it is about that series that people get hung up about it's a pretty, I want to say a straightforward story because it
1: goes all over the place, but it's not that hard to-, to You can do it. To do it. You can you do could, it. You can definitely do it. And lo- like, I mean, George R.R. R. Martin's the same thing. That thing is incredibly, ridiculously complex when you read the novels, but they right. they managed to do that to a certain point. Um, yeah. but I wanted to ask you as well, as a fan of that series- Yeah. No, and big spoiler for anyone that hasn't yeah, read them. I, I mean, but this is, it's
0: been long. Like This, this it's, series it's been, has been over for yeah. like 30 years. guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So knowing the end of the book, yeah. Is there gonna be a time where he has no fingers on one hand uh-huh. or would he have lost that same finger every time so he never loses it more than once because of the lobstrosity was gonna get
0: well at the very, very end of the story, right? So he's and this again, I'm so sorry. If you haven't read this, just to fast forward for like fifteen seconds, he gets to the top <laughs> of the tower and he ends up right back at the beginning. Like it it takes him right back to the, to where he started. He was chasing a man in the desert in black man in black in in the desert. It's like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me, man. He got all the way there. But I believe if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read that last one that he um, in the, in the next, the the one that you're reading that, that next, um, I guess, cycle of the same things happening over and over to him again, he had Cuthbert's horn with him. Like it was, he had something else with him that he didn't have before. So I think that the possibility is that all these permutations of the same timeline happening over and over again until I don't know what necessarily there's something has to change in order to be able to unstick it. Otherwise, you know, this is like, you know, groundhog's day. Like hell. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, you know what I mean? And that's
1: what I like about it. It is, um, there is something different that he's different. He's physically different when he goes back into what he was the first time. And yeah. and he has something that there's so there's enough difference that it opens up possibilities for yeah, is yeah. there a resolution in the future or which I, I kind of like. Like, I love the way uh, King puts an apology right before the last <laughs> bit of the, <laughs> the book <laughs> to I basically like, say to hey, his listen, readers, You guys sorry, are be man. real upset about this. But yeah, this that's is what right. You're <laughs> going to hate this. But
0: that was really cool. But I actually loved
1: it. I, I thought do. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was amazing. And I thought there's no other way you can end this that's going to be satisfactory yeah, what's than a do? kind of like, he, think about the, it, you know.
0: Kim, the, the Crimson King and him are going to have a, a, a step it up dance contest. Like, you know, like, you know, yeah. like what, what's going to happen? Um, you know, but uh, I, I agree. I, I think that that and that's something that you that has to bring you great joy. <clears throat> it is the writer's prerogative to tell you how it ends. Regardless, Yeah, you like it, yeah. you don't it's a happy ending. It's a sad ending. Like the things that annoy me. And and I'm, I'm not sure if you're the same way. I love it when the bad guy wins, you know, uh, one of my favorite endings to anything ever. And it was the first time with such a shock and I didn't see it coming was the usual suspects when Kevin Spacey just starts all of a sudden walking normal after he's limping out of the, 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 uh, the police department, you're just like, Oh, and then you see yeah. Chaz Palminteri realize that everything that he was telling him was just things around the r- stuff oh yeah. stuff Spo- that was around. Spoiler alert yeah. again, I guess, if you haven't watched *The Usual Suspects*, but that, I think it was like 1995 <laughs> that came out.
1: so <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, it's it's much more satisfying to do something like that, and it's and it's much more satisfying when the villain is not just a an apologist. <laughs> a Star Wars villain not just a, a kind yeah, of like right. evil villain but is yes. is they have a reason they have a not that all Star Wars villains are like that but anyway we're sorry we're, we're having a debate internally in our house at the moment I know about Star oh, Wars. You, oh is
0: system. that I was I'm wondering why you're, you're saying you're like hedging here because like I, I don't think that we talked about Star Wars or the quality of villains so I was like why are you just yeah, having my, this play with yourself <laughs> about Darth I, Vader I, or
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm self-censoring but but in my opinion that the the reason why I favor Star Trek over i like. Love both, and I love them all. But I, I favour Star Trek over Star Wars because of the ambiguity in Star Trek um, yeah. from the beginning. It's all philosophical questions and what's right, what's wrong, and, and there's not often a clear right and wrong. Whereas in Star Wars, it's very clear: you're on the good side, you're on the bad side, and traditionally i think the villains are too villainous and the they're changing well, some of like that now and mandolin uh, mandalorian and everything it, is, is completely changed that but you, yeah it's
0: people that don't operate in the gray so you, what you yeah. the, the kind of the um i think mistaken writing sometimes this is my opinion again i'm not by any stretch uh, an expert but the mistaken writing for me is t- like if you don't have some level of likability or or yeah. attractiveness to your antagonist because Like I'm going to get bored. I'm like, all right, this person's just like, you know, it's just a a ruthless monster that wants
1: to kill you. Okay, great. It's not, yeah. (laughs) And it's not that you've got to invest. And and it makes it that much more interesting when the villain is someone that you, you invest in and that you think, like, not only can I see their point of view, I think they're kind of right. Yeah. but They can't do that because it's horrible. You, You can't do that thing. Right. But they're kind of right, you know. That's great because right. you the and and as a writer, that's one of the things I love most is trying to guess how ha- what am I doing to the reader right here at this point? Yeah. What am I making them feel? What betrayal are they feeling? And and so yeah, like, sometimes the editors will come back, uh, and I love this uh, with the editors. They'll come back with suggestions and all sorts of stuff, but occasionally there'll be a note in the side that's just. What you know with a question mark, or <laughs> oh my god, or, uh, which is amazing because that shows you oh, great that thing that I was hoping would get a reaction got a reaction, and that's 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 what I love. Nice again, incredibly,
0: incredibly rewarding. Um, the um, uh, and to your point, I think that the playing in the gray a bit and having some level of relatability to these characters, even if they're bad you know, or yeah. sometimes when they're playing in the gray and, you know, there it's, it's a, it's a story of redemption where they were bad and they start to like kind of turn a bit, you know, maybe get pulled back a little bit, turn a bit, maybe turn all the way, you know, yeah. that, that's also interesting too, to a degree, as long as it's done right. Like, you know, um, Star Wars I'll give credit to in this respect is that when at the end, when, like, cause the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi constantly said, there's still something, and I'm reading. I'm not sure if you're watching the series, the new series Obi One, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very good, it's very good so far. Yeah. Um, but the thing that you could see is is really like taxing on him. Is that this was his Padawan? He still thinks there's something in there that's good. He knows something in there is still good, and that's he doesn't want to give up on him. You know, yeah. it was his responsibility. He messed up, or at least he thinks he messed up. Really. You know, Emperor Palpatine came in and and put the put the hoodoo on on Anakin and said, "Come on, yeah, man, being bad's good."
1: <laughs> and he's like, "You're right,
0: being good's for the pits." I'm out of here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 I think, I think you're right. I think, and yeah, it's, um, and again, I love Star Wars. I think it's fantastic. I loved it ever since I was a kid Mm -hmm. with the originals. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's (laughs) uh, the, the force and the good versus bad and the traditional different colored lightsabers and all that sort of stuff. It, for me, it was too much of a a binary dichotomy. It's like, this is bad. This is
0: good. Yeah. You don't need to Let me make my own decisions around that. Um, yeah. uh, And, and Star Trek to your point, like they're, they're uh well we are really nerding it up people like jeez uh that's right that's the whole point shut up turn off the you already got spoilers on things you didn't watch and read yeah
1: okay go and find those other things yeah yeah
0: the bricks Um, so the uh star trek has got the the prime directive right it's like the the most important thing it's like you have to this is these are our rules this is how you have to and never does any captain ever follow any of those rules ever? They just, I mean, you have to figure if you were like an, 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 admiral in, in, in Starfleet, you'd be like, why does it, why even have a rule book? Come you on, guys on. Are just-
1: <laughs> I'm going to send another memo uh, and, and, and another memo just to remind everyone. It's not a suggestion. It's one of our guiding principles. Yeah. But I, that's the thing I love. All of the captains all say this is a guiding principle and it's what we hold dear and everything. Yes. but we have to break it now because of whatever, but that, that's what makes it interesting though, because if they didn't break it, it'd be a hell of a boring series. Nothing oh, it, would be,
0: it would be a boring series, but they, but the, the funny thing is like, there's never like the punishments doled out for breaking this prime directive. The most important thing in the world is like, ah, we're going to bump yeah, it it down you down from uh to admiral to captain. That's what we'll do to you. Mr. To captain Kirk. Sorry. You know, like you, yeah. you completely violated what we believe in, but we're just going to demote we'll you. we put a, in a note in
1: your file. You get a yeah. you get a naughty note that says, "Yeah, he did a bad thing," and that's yeah, your it. Your
0: performance yeah. evaluation is going to be uh, a fair, not a great.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a it, is, it is. It is. funny.
0: I guess <laughs> the future of punishments pretty pretty weak. Although Khan knew how to punish people. Remember, you started putting the the, the the earwig into your. Oh man.
1: Yeah, that was that was gross. Don't stick anything in my ears, man. Now uh, that's yeah.
0: Or ears? No, no, no. That's that just no. yeah, yeah. That's that scared okay. me. you. Want to, you want to scare somebody? And by the way, I 100% agree with uh, whoever told you that you were a horror writer. Uh, just all the stuff that you just talked <laughs> about—demons and and Lucifer and, and you know <laughs> monsters with multiple arms coming out of a wall—that's terrifying.
1: But I, this is the other thing, though. What, what I was saying before about the Fantasia, um, mm-hmm. I realized as well because uh, someone did a review on on the Seven Hungers. And I was still convinced this is a fantasy, like maybe a dark fantasy book, but that's about it. It's not horror really. Right. And then they came, the, the review came through and I was saying, oh, you know, really great. There's some investigation elements and it's blah, blah, blah. really graphic stuff happens. And I thought, really though, is it? And I, now I realize it's because I'm not imagining any of it visually. Right. So You're not seeing like, me. Oh, it's easy.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's she, she had her skin flayed off with a, with a paring knife ah, it's not gross. What are you talking
1: about? (laughs) But it's fine. It's like, yeah, because I, I, I can't visualize any of it. Uh, whereas if it was a movie and I could see it, I would be probably horrified. Yeah. There is a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of casualties and uh, yeah. Humans that are kind of broken apart and then reformed into a monstrous creature and stuff, which that's (laughs) even saying it, I can't imagine it. So it's like, you you can't, it's fun stuff, you know, just let everybody
0: else tell you for sure. Horror writer, which is great. Now your music, I wanted to ask you about this too. Your music. Um, I I listened to a little bit of it on your website. It seems very, and again, based on what you said, you do it for TV and 200 TV shows, which is awesome. Very atmospheric, right? Like it's, it's like the backing track to what's happening. You know, is that, is that mostly the kind of music that you produce?
1: (laughs) These days, mostly. Yeah. Um, and particularly for film and TV, they don't want something that's too far in front because they want it to be behind the, uh, the action. Um, cause <laughs> the actors obviously have to be at the forefront. Um, so, but, but also I'm not a singer, um, uh, for very good reason, <laughs> mainly because of my voice, um, your voice. but, uh, the voice. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've, I've always, uh, yeah and and the, i i go for melodic and emotional and all that sort of stuff but i mean honestly that when you're writing for film and tv you end up doing everything so you you i might have certain preferences mm-hmm. but you end up doing every style of music imaginable some of which you don't like that much but you end up doing it anyway i.e country music uh, and some of it that you you know lean more towards that you, you do a lot more of um i also for a while was doing hip-hop music and uh, hip-hop beats and mm-hmm. working with artists and all that sort of stuff man that's a hard hard graft uh for, for several reasons but the one of the key reasons is um artists don't pay for anything the people that pay are producers engineers yep. you know those sort of ones so they're, they're willing to fork out money so if you're trying to make money off artists unless you find someone very big or that's on their way up or whatever yeah. it's just incredibly hard to make money out of it so uh, that one's on hold for a little bit. The hip hop. Plus, I'm not convinced I understand hip hop as well, which makes it difficult to write.
0: This, <laughs> to well, say. yeah, I the understanding. I mean, now for a guy that doesn't have any visual imagination, you're able to get over that. That, uh, um, yeah, you know, that challenge. But it, w- my band was a fusion hip hop band, so we nice. It was a, a lot of different styles of music. We we're again, I think this has to do with the fact of the people that I was playing with and and when I would write songs, like just my brain, not being able to stick in one genre, I wanted everything to kind of be rooted in this idea. And I think that we all did and it wasn't just me, but we all had this idea of it's like the foundation of this is going to be hip hop. We're going to have people, we have two vocalists, one of which is my absentee co-host, And, um, you know, but we played, we, we played like one song we have, like it goes from like, uh, like hard, like rock music, like, but hot you know, as the background, you know, again, yeah. the hip hop and then it gets spacey and then it gets into surf music. It's like, it goes everywhere, but it all fits. Yeah. You know? So, you know, we had um, we had a good run and you know, got an opportunity to uh, sign with an indie label, which we blew because, you know, we're in a band and that's what happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's part of the reason why I just do it all solo because Smart. yeah, I don't have to deal with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: yeah. yeah, you have to try to find a bass player or a drummer. They're, oh, they're never, they're never easy to find. Although our drummer kicked ass. Uh, Anthony Matthews, one of the best drummers that I've ever seen. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, but um, mm. no, so, so um, what's, what, what's got you excited now? What's coming up for you? that you're excited about? What's the next thing that you're like, I cannot wait for this to get off the ground. I can't wait for people to see it, hear it, whatever.
1: Oh, so uh, yeah. So the enmity comic that we spoke about, um, I've got a Kickstarter running for that. uh, Hopefully in August that'll launch. Um, So that'll be, I think at this stage, it's looking like two two comic issues uh, in full color, a graphic novel in black and white, uh, another comic in, black and white and a small color comic and a novel um because i've got a novel version of that that whole story as well uh, oh, and a, and a soundtrack of course because music why why wouldn't you of course. um so it's it's a big it's a nice big uh package <laughs> if i can yes. say that that's Lots probably of- the wrong i have a large package morgan has a, nice, um,
0: a very large package he's proud of it uh you can't see it but uh not yet not <laughs> like yet, but in August
1: I'll be unveiling the package, and I would like everyone to come and look at the package, uh, and even purchase the package if that's yeah. uh, of interest yes. to them.
0: Well, if it's for sale, someone's going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. no, wait, you, you mentioned too, like uh, that you, um, and this was something also I found interesting. You, you do like all your own uh, crowd-funded, um, basically mm-hmm. you know, get, get your 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 own um, uh, uh, getting your own investments from the people of the world by kickstarters. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Like that's what, what got mm. you, you mentioned that you're a good business person. So I'm guessing that this is kind of coming from some of that background of, I think I could raise money in this way. And I saw some of the trailers and they get you, they're like, yeah, I mm. want that. that's fantastic. Totally want to see yeah. that. Totally want to read that.
1: Yeah, it, well, it's uh, it's one it's fairly big in, in indie comics to to raise money to to because for those that don't know, um, a, a one page of artwork might run you anywhere from you know a hundred dollars to five hundred dollars depending on who you're going through. So if you're getting a twenty-two to twenty-five page or twenty-four page comic, that's a lot of money. You know, you're talking two, three, four, five thousand dollars per issue, yep, and that's upfront, and then you have to recoup that money. So crowdfunding is a good way to do that. Um, and it's also a good way for someone like me that's in Australia to get fans overseas to start mm-hmm. to know my work and reach out. It's, it's basically like a, a, a worldwide Comic-Con um, where you can set your stall up and sell things to people all over the world and all that sort of stuff. And there's, there's an entertainment value to it as well. So the last campaign I ran... Uh, I gave away theme songs, so uh, uh, two or three theme songs, individual theme song for you, whatever you want. You can use it for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Just as a bit of fun, you know. Um, so it's, it's good fun as well. It's a good way to get it out there. Um, uh, so my, some of my comics and novels are with public like traditional publishers. Um, some of them are just with me or, or some of them I'll start with myself before I go to another. So I try and recoup costs before I go to a publisher. Right, um, And yeah, I found it great. It's an interesting experience and there are definitely ups and downs. So you'd, you'd want to talk to someone before you start, you uh, start which that, yeah. again, I didn't do. Um, but, uh, I'm Learn from mistakes. To no- <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. It's great for that, and it, it's also it means you can just you've got something you can sort an event you can promote and push out there and get interest in, and people kind of get wrapped up in the you know the magic of the whole thing. And uh, I do this time round, I'm considering producing a, an indie, <laughs> like a terrible indie film, like a a two minute indie film that I'll put together. That certain backers can uh, pick that perk and then they can appear in it. So they just record themselves. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> and I'll, I will add them to the video, a post apocalyptic kind of <laughs> just for something goofy to do, you know, that's, add a bit of fun to the whole thing. It's, you know? it's
0: creative. Again, it's, it's a really yeah. interesting way to get people hooked in to do something, uh, something different. And uh, trust me, <clears throat> as somebody who, uh, I promotion is a very important part of the businesses that we're in, like in writing yep. in, in music, whatever it is in podcasting, you know, we, we're fortunate that we've gained a pretty large audience, which is awesome. Um, but it took effort. It was not, yep. and it's still an yep. ongoing thing. I'm not, we're not, we're not Rogan over here. Um, I'd love to <laughs> have, have Rogan money at some point.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Just well.
0: not yet, but, uh, it, it is, um, it is important to be able to do that element of the business. I think a lot of people miss that piece. It's, it's quality, yeah, yeah. right. Creating quality work. And then also uh, being able to um, to be able to promote yourself properly and know the right things that work uh, and be creative with it. Like you might, you probably barely see it, but behind me, there's a tournament bracket. Um, and every year that, and this is our third annual uh, we've, we've done something called Stinko de Mayo. It always starts in May. It never ends in May because it just, it can't. Um, <laughs> but it's, We take a period of time where we take the worst music, the worst TV shows, the worst fads or novelties and the worst uh, movies of that particular era. And they combat each other in a oh smart mile style tournament. Yeah. So right now we're oh, down to the, cool. we are down to the final four. Um, we have Millie Vanilli, the champion of the music bracket <laughs> going up against a show uh, called she's the sheriff, which starred Chrissy from three's company as a sheriff who inherited wow. inherited being the sheriff from her dead husband, which I don't think is how that works. That's that's how that
1: works. That, that tracks. Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: I was wrong. Um, yeah. and then on the other side, we've got hammer pants, which is our fad winner. Not surprisingly versus, yes. uh, the movie Leonard part six starring Bill Cosby. And, uh, it is <laughs> quite possibly the worst movie that's ever existed. <laughs> Wow. We have our fans participate. They all fill out brackets and there's a cash prize and stuff like that. So you got to do some things that are a little bit outside the box to get people interested. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. And you can't, as a writer or musician or whatever, <clears throat> the days are gone where you can just sort of squirrel away in secret and then hand it over to a publisher and they will do all that for you. They won't do any of that for you. You've got to get your face out there. You've got to promote, which yeah. most of us hate, but you you have yeah. to do, you got to find a way to do it and just get it done
0: wait a minute. You don't like this. I thought we were having fun.
1: I'm sorry, man. Except for the odd podcast, which I love Mm -hmm. everything else. I hate. Uh, Well, actually (laughs) it's it's that thing. The more you do, the more you, um, you know, people will look at my stuff and I'm not shy. You'll see, (laughs) you'll see my face everywhere. Cause that's what you've (laughs) got to do. And I figured just embrace it just for a long time. I didn't, and you've got to do it. So you might as well just do it.
0: Well, you're exposing yourself to, a different again. similar to what you did with your Kickstarter. You're exposing yourself to these different audiences that you would not have had access to had you yeah. not done that. Um, and you, it, those kinds of things, grassroots efforts really do make a difference. Like eventually, those yeah. it's a force multiplier, and you get you get a lot of fans. And you're like, wow, I can't believe I started again. You oh, we had. Uh, uh, wow we hit 10 youtube subscribers yay like now you're 2500 youtube subscribers it's like wow what yeah. happened all of a sudden people yeah. are actually listen to us so like those are the kinds of things that again you have to do as a as an artist so i, I respect i respect the hustle morgan i do
1: thank you sir thank you sir
0: did i um so okay we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here but what i would say to all of our fans. Um, first of all, go check out um, Morgan's website. That's, that's where you can get a lot um, of, of his, his stuff and his it's um, Morgan uh, com Q U A I D. Now I didn't ask if he was related to Randy or to Dennis. Yeah. I didn't think you were. Uh, <laughs> that's why my, my first question, my uh, my co-host asked, cause we um, we're also famous. One of the things that's, really sweet about this podcast is we always get like the brother of somebody or the uncle of somebody that's incredibly famous. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, they're lovely people. Yeah. Yeah, So we, you know, like, you know, Colin Jost, you know, who that is the guy from Saturday live. We had his brother Casey on, he's part of the impractical jokers crew and he's fantastic, hilarious, uh, like super talented, nothing, taking nothing away from him, but we never get the Colin. We always get the Casey. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. You need a couple more zeros on the subscribers and then they'll be, they'll yeah, be, they'll be rolling up. in. That's right. It's yeah. all,
0: it's all yeah, about yeah. that. So go to, so Morgan look out for um, his upcoming uh, uh, package. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, which is going to be uh, like in, in 15 different versions, color black and white, it's going to be yeah. a graphic novel. It's going to be in comic book form. It's going to be in, in novel form, so you're going to be able to see. I'm sure at some point these things are going to get optioned for movies that will terrify you, uh, since he is in fact a horror writer. Um, <laughs> and obviously, the screenplay, which I'm guessing principal shooting will occur eventually, very soon. Uh, um, it will
1: at some point, yes, at some I point, believe,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, um, everyone, go check out his 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 work; it's fantastic. Check out his music, um, and stay tuned for all things Morgan Quaid. Morgan. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure.